Glory to God. Glory to God, huh? Yeah. Why don't you just take a moment and give your cares to the Lord as we prepare to get into the teaching this morning. Maybe a person, maybe a circumstance. Go ahead and give those things to Him. Thank you, Lord. What a privilege it is to be here in your name. And Lord, we realize that we need to hear from you. So we take all the preparations and we lay them on the altar and we just say, speak, Lord. We're listening. We're listening. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Praise God for you. How's everybody doing today? Good to see you. Good to see you. This is the last Sunday in February. March begins on Wednesday. <laughs> Daylight savings, two weeks from today. Yeah. Right. The calendar says spring comes in March. What does it mean in Estes Park? Not a thing. <laughs> uh, it's been a great day, though. I intentionally made sure the doors were open because we just got to appreciate the sunshine today, right? Forget that other stuff in the air. Let's just appreciate the sunshine. It's good. I'm Pastor Michael. Uh, on behalf of Summit Church, it's good to see all of you today and uh, to, to worship with you and uh, teach from God's Word. We are one. One Lord. One team. One mission. First week, we talked about a life of purpose. Praise God. I'm amazed how many people expressed that I need purpose about themselves. It's awesome, way awesome. And, and it's exciting to even hear some talk about having found purpose. Uh, it, then uh, last week, um, we talked about, well, actually, uh, the, the, whole, the whole premise has been the Lord of love. The Lord of love, uh, a couple of weeks ago, leading us toward the Lord of love calling us to love his people, the church. And, and that is a strong, strong emphasis on my part. The church is the people, right? Yeah, I mean, what was it? Here's the church. How's that go? Here's the steeple. Oh, yeah, then, yeah, Amber, no, there you go. Then open the door, and there's the people, right? Yeah, yeah. It's about the assembly, the ecclesia. It's about... It's about us, and it's not just about us when we're inside. It's about us as we're, we're doing life. We are the gathering, and that's what this is all about, the value of gathering. And I, I still believe when God's people are truly worshiping him, and again, I celebrate uh, Valerie and her heart in just being about Jesus in the worship, not about show, but being about Jesus. Uh, uh, last week, somebody said to her, thank you for not being about performance, but being about worship and uh, I just really appreciate that. So the assembly, the value of coming together, I just believe that when God's people are together and worshiping, that, that there is an attractiveness that God uses to draw people to him. So being called to love uh, the, 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 uh, the team, one team, the, uh, the church. And then today, the Lord of love calling us to love Estes Park and beyond. So uh, in an effort to try to trap Jesus, 
a religious elitist, and, and I emphasize elitist because there are those in the church that are doing a whole lot more harm than good. <laughs> Even in the name of Jesus, there are those doing a whole lot more than good. So a religious elitist uh, trying to trap Jesus came to him uh, with a question. Actually, it was a group of religious elitists, and they, they asked, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Well, Jesus answered by quoting law. And it's oh so important that I emphasize, even right here, that to think you're going to do this by determination or simply because it says so is wrong. The law only shows us how far we fall short and how desperately we need, need him. That is so, so, so important that we understand. So he quotes law. He quotes Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, and he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. But he didn't stop there. I mean, he didn't have to go any further. He's, he's answered the question. He goes on in verse 38. He says, not only is this the greatest command, it's also the first command. And by the way, since it is the first, there is another one. There is a second. And it's absolutely just as vital, absolutely just as crucial. And that second command, verse 39, love your neighbor as yourself. And then strong emphasis, verse 40, all the law and the prophets, <laughs> not only stated in the law, but confirmed by the prophets, hang on these two. And so as we saw, there's only one way that we will ever validate this love that we claim to have for God, and it has everything to do with our attitudes and actions toward the people around us. I mean, how can you say you love God who you can't see when you fail to love the people around you who you can't see? Who you can see. God who you can't see when you fail to love the people you can see. Let's state that absolutely right. It's only in our love for people that we prove our love for God. It's only in how we treat the people around us that we validate the love we claim for God. Now, I need to turn here a little bit and go to a, another emphasis that's very crucial this morning because I hear many, many people look at this command, the command of Jesus, and, and what they want to say is, well, it's a command to first love me. Very common. You've got to love you first. But I want to challenge this thinking today and ask the question, what if Jesus is actually assuming in stating this that we have absolutely no trouble at all loving ourselves? Hmm. What if you were to ask Jesus what he meant by, by this? And he says the commandment here is simply love your neighbor and that as yourself peace? Well, honestly, that's an assumption that's a given. That's an inborn human trait. You love you, therefore you want to be happy. You love you, therefore you want to be fulfilled. You love you, therefore you like it when your needs are met. You love you, therefore you take a second look when you get a glimpse of yourself in the bathroom mirror. <laughs> and if you want to validate that, next time you're at a group gathering where a group picture is taken and that picture is passed around the room, just consider who that person is that you're going to look for first. <laughs> right? Yeah, oh man, can we take that picture again? 
Or, wow, I look just as great as ever. <laughs> mirror, mirror on the wall. <laughs> Who's the fairest, right? So we could go on and on with things that you and I want. What if it's rooted in self-love? Now, trying to be respectful here and, and trying to be sensitive, I, I want to push this a little further because it is often suggested that suicide can be driven by self-love. You see, when in depression life seems meaningless, hopeless, and painful, a person might begin to think, it can't get any worse than this. I want out. So, so the assumption in that case is, surely there must be something better for me somewhere out there. And then my mind starts to go crazy because there's so many songs under this, this theme. Somewhere over the rainbow, uh, somewhere out there, there's a place for us, that constant looking. So let's define self-love very simply this way. The longing to diminish personal pain and increase personal happiness. The definition of self-love, the deep longing to diminish personal pain and increase personal happiness. Happiness. I don't think any of us would deny that reality. Now, I know there are things you don't like about yourself. Okay, let's just be truthful here. But what if that too is rooted in self-love? In the same thing, right? The deep longing to diminish all pain and to increase personal happiness. What if Jesus' assumption in the command is as yourself and the only command is to, to love it's a it's a vital human trait it's as if jesus is saying hey i know this about you it's something you didn't have to learn in fact it was given to you by my heavenly father in and of itself it's it's not evil in and of itself it isn't narcissism and it's for this reason that you make statements like i like to eat I like Winfrey Februaries. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I like to stay away from Safeway in the summertime. <laughs> I like driving up Highway 34 and Highway 36 without people in front of me. Right? I like to be liked. I like to be appreciated. I like to be valued. It, it, it's as if Jesus has, is saying here, in and of itself... This trait isn't evil, but there's a place that we need to recognize where this kind of personage is healthy, and there's a place where it isn't, and it's defined as this command, as you love you, so love your neighbor. <laughs> oh, so many stories coming out of Summit these days. I love this week, a guy uh, picks up a, a stranger hitchhiking, downtown to give him a ride you know just didn't have very far to go a couple of miles but when the guy got in the car where do you need to go i need to go to allen's park oh okay and he just starts taking off to allen's park and on the way they passed his house by a long shot and the guy said well where do you live and he said well back there so well, why are you taking me to allen's park and he said because this is what i do yeah just that kindness of a neighbor Valerie and I had an incredible week with our daughters over the holidays. Just a great time. And when we dropped them off at the airport, we were kind of feeling sorry for ourselves, you know. 
It's a reality, although this emptiness thing seems to come and go simply because of people in our lives who want kids to live with us, and that's a good thing. Um, we drop them off, kind of feeling sorry for ourselves. Maybe Valerie wouldn't use that expression. I'll use it about myself, feeling sorry for myself, right? Yeah. And so we dilly-dallied coming home. But it turns out it was God's timing. It wasn't us dilly-dallying at all. God had other plans. And so we're driving up the canyon when we see a car broken down. Flashers are going, you know, clear that this car's having trouble. So I said, do you think we should see if they need help? And Valerie's like, duh. (laughs) So, you know, it's a a bad spot. I mean, there's curves there. We we pull over. It's a 21-year-old girl, car broken down, out of cell range. Transmission had gone out. Now, think about that. How would you feel if your daughter were stranded in a mountain canyon at night without any cell phone service? Wouldn't you want the right person or persons to come along? Well, how about this? How about that be you? How about you be that person? How about I be that person? So here's what Jesus is saying. You're energized for some happiness. How about you be the source of happiness for somebody else? You're energized for great friendships. How about this? You learn to be a great friend. You're energized for food, for clothes, for shelter. How about this? How about you recognize somebody else in their time of need and do what you can to meet that need? You're energized for safety. You're energized for fun. You're energized for significance and fulfillment. Can you possibly feed that into another person? You're energized in this business of knowing God loves you and that he does have a plan for your life. How about you be an ambassador in this? And by the way, don't just look for that person that might somehow elevate your personal status in life, but how about looking for that person that you could somehow get underneath and push up? This is, this is what this, this is talking about today. It, it points me back to that time when, I don't know, I'm, I think I was about 23 years old. I hadn't met Valerie yet. I, I was a leader. I had people in my life, but I felt lonely, and I felt sorry for myself, and it was kind of stealing my joy a little bit, maybe a lot. Yeah, poor me. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to go eat worms. Yeah. And it was like the, the Holy Spirit said, hey, uh, Michael, hello, knock, knock. You think you're alone in your feelings? Just maybe, just maybe, do you think there might be somebody else who feels the way you do? And what if everybody's feeling sorry for themselves and their loneliness? And what if somebody were to take a little initiative in being for somebody else what you're wishing somebody would be for you? Wow, what a thought, what a, a turning point. I mean, you, you desire friends. How about being a friend? You work hard for good grades. How about helping somebody else with their grades along the way? You like to be warmly greeted. You like to be valued and appreciated. How about you be that person for someone else? In other words, and this is a great application right here, make yourself seeking the measure of your self-giving. Did you hear it? Wow, you're quiet. (laughs) What happened? Make yourself seeking the measure of your self-giving. Love your neighbor 
as yourself. You love you. You love your church. You say you love Estes Park, but today we have this huge, huge challenge that takes us to a whole new meaning as we're challenging you to consider the questions, what are some practical ways we can show God's love to the people who live here, to the people who live around us? Not just love Estes Park, but love the people who live here. Now, I, I know people are difficult, but love them anyway. Love them with the love of Christ, love them with the power of Christ. When I said people are difficult, somebody chuckled. I wonder if you were staring at the person next to you. <laughs> yeah, we're all difficult. We're all a mess. So, so at this point, somebody might panic and say, well, are, are, you, are you saying that I must love my neighbor instead of myself? And I believe that's exactly the kind of question and kind of tension that Jesus is implying right here. This is a radical statement. We, we need to remember and cross-reference this and know that Jesus said, hey, if anyone comes after me, if anyone's going to follow me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So this is like sending a man to the moon. This is bigger than any one of us, but this is where, and I'm turning a point here, okay, here we go. This is where command number one kicks in. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. The first command must be the engine that powers the second command, and the second command must be the tangible evidence, tangible evidence that the engine is in place. In other words, instead of putting more energy into loving yourself, which comes so naturally to you, begin putting more energy into your relationship with God and he will in turn empower you to begin loving your neighbors the way he wants you to. Go ahead, give God glory, awesome. So what this is about, this is about taking all of your, your self-love all of your longings, all of your needs, all of your hopes, all of your future, all of your ambitions, all of your wealth. Oh my goodness, the preacher's talking about giving wealth. <laughs> Missing the other seven things I, I just mentioned and putting it all on the altar, trusting him with it in order to see what he will do with it. In the end, it won't be the end of, of, of self-love, it won't be the end of self-love, but instead, it will be the transformation of self-love. And it's at this point that God will take all of your frustration and turn it into liberty and joy. <laughs> yeah, give God praise for that, okay? And God, and, and, and God is the source of unlimited joy. He invites us to come to him and drink. So here I am, you know, I'm thinking about this stuff. I, I get blessed. I don't know if you realize it, but I start dancing around the house. I'm, I'm home studying and praying because and, nobody's there. And, I, and, and it's just me and God. And I get blessed. And I, so I went back to my childhood. And I'm thinking about 110 plus degree days growing up in Tucson, right? All the water there was ground water right? But, but on a hot day, yeah, I, I don't know if the Central Arizona Project's made it to Tucson or not. Maybe it's still groundwater. I don't know. Uh, there's actual places there they call rivers, and you look at them, and you're like, really? That's a river? There's nothing in it, right? 
Yeah, but dig down a little ways and there's still water there. And seasonally, you don't want to be there in a flash flood. But anyway, if you turn on the, the, the hose bib on, on a hot day and, and you get your mouth to that too quickly, I mean, hot steaming water comes gushing out. Blech! Right? But if you just wait a few seconds because it's groundwater, it doesn't take long till it's cool and refreshing. And I remember days as a kid when I'd just forget to drink, and all of a sudden I'd find the hose or, or the bib, and I'd just start, I'd even go to the golf course and suck water out of the sprinkler pads in the ground. That was really cool water, right? Until they started recycling water and posted it everywhere, do not drink the water. Ugh. Yeah, yuck. But drinking that water, there were days when I would just guzzle that cool, refreshing water down until I couldn't breathe. And then I'd gasp, and I'd pull the hose away and just breathe in with great, great, great refreshment. Can you imagine that and get the picture of this? See, Jesus said in John chapter 7, I know your need. You have an unquenchable thirst but if you'll just come to me and you'll believe in me the way that scriptures tell you you should believe in me, then I will so flood your being with refreshing satisfaction that it will overwhelm and impact the people around you in a positive way. Isn't that awesome? That's what God says. So when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, we shouldn't be threatened by what it might cost us. Instead, we should allow it to cause it to keep calling us to him, right? Not only does he satisfy our deepest longings, but he so overfloods that the people around us get refreshed just by being around us. So another application right here. Let all of your longing be satisfied in him. <laughs> oh dear, did you hear that? Let all of your longing be satisfied in him. He is more than enough. He's more than enough. He's more than enough. Thank you, Jesus, that you're more than enough. So then, you know, somebody's brain immediately goes to thinking that this is kind of a, a moral responsibility. But I hope you heard me at the very beginning. The law condemns. Loving the way God calls us to love is impossible for us so hear this, we can't even begin, and we shouldn't even begin trying to love this way unless we're walking and experiencing that same love from him. Proof all around you. You hear people say it all the time. Do you know what I did for them, and do you know how they treated me in response? I mean, I did that, and this is what you do to me? This is when we try to love when we're loving in the flesh in our own power because the truth is when we're walking in the Spirit, we understand, hey, God gave His best and people destroyed it. That's human nature and we understand that. But when we're empowered to love the way He calls us to, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what people do to us. We're going to keep loving. It doesn't matter what they say about us. We're going to keep loving them because we're walking in the power of God and we're not walking in our own strength. So, what is Jesus commanding when he says, love your neighbor as yourself? First, it's 
an acknowledgement of this innate trait of self-love. He, he's not c- commanding self-love here, but he's calling it for what it is. The command here is that our self-love finds satisfaction in God's love so that it becomes the engine that empowers us toward neighbor love. God-glorifying neighbor love. It's about self-seeking, being traded for God-seeking, which in turn results in neighbor blessing. So we have a mission, church. We have a huge calling and a huge mission. It's so simple. We don't need to spend hours trying to find it. We have been, been given a mission to love Estes Park, to love Estes Park and beyond because it begins in our Jerusalem. This is Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, and beyond, right? So we need to think about right here. And that means that we must love the people around us with the same kind of love that we're experiencing from God himself. This is a challenge that's way bigger than you or I. I've already said this. It's bigger than trying to put a man on the moon. But this is our calling and this is our mission this must be in our dna this must be everything we look forward to going forward anticipate expect god to do and become so then just a couple of questions as we begin to bring this home a couple of thoughts here the first one okay so what is love i talked about this a few weeks ago but just to reiterate reemphasize This word agape, it's a unique word that's used right here, not found much in ancient Christian writing of this period, okay? So it's generally believed that this is a word that was coined by the early church. The early churches who used this word quite extensively, right? There wasn't a word to adequately define the kind of love that God is and the kind of love he wants us to walk in, so they had to create a new word. Here's some of the definitions of this word. Undefeatable, undefeatable benevolence, unconquerable goodwill that always seeks the highest good of the other person, no matter what. It's self-giving, freely pouring out without asking or expecting anything in return. It never measures the worth of the recipient. It's not a feeling. Instead, it's a decision of the will. Okay? Now, compare this to the worldview of love. I need love to meet my needs. I deserve love. Oh, I just want a 50-50 give-and-take relationship. I'll love you as long as it works for me. I'll love you as long as it feels good. But friends, relationships built on these kind of conditions will not last. They will not thrive. Because real relationships require sacrifice, commitment, and a sense of permanence. Very, very important. And right here, I dare stand alone if need be. It's not the modern day definition of tolerance. That is a deception. Modern day tolerance. A loving parent is going to do everything in that parent's power to help the child to know what is true and what's a lie. Therefore, a loving parent is going to direct a child away from a hot stove because that parent doesn't want that child to get burned. Now, if the child grows up and decides to live a lifestyle of getting burned by hot stoves, that's that child's choice. Parent can't do anything at that point. So what I'm saying here is that real love must be grounded in what is good, what is right, and what is excellent. Real love must be grounded in truth. 
Real love must be grounded in what God has said about relationships. Did you hear it? Did you hear it? Yeah. The same place, our favorite scripture that we love to quote, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world. If you keep reading, you'll find a tragedy in that great love because it goes on to say, but people rejected that love because they chose instead to hold tightly to their own darkness. It's not modern day tolerance. You are so quiet. Oh my goodness. I can hear a mouse squeak in the room. But your eyes are magnificent. So I'm just going to believe God is speaking into lives today. So then the second question is, uh, so uh, Michael, who is my neighbor? Now, this is really good, and we're bringing it home now, but we, we just got to do this. It's, this is awesome stuff. So one day, uh, another religious elitist came to Jesus, and uh, he was trying to, you know, find his way into the kingdom. And, uh, but he was also trying to trap Jesus in this because that's what these guys do. And so he asked the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life as if it depended on him and his own goodness and his own good works? Okay, you understand that? That, that was the root of his question. So Jesus, you know, if, you're, if you've got a guy questioning you and he's trying to trap you, uh, but you know his heart, the best way to answer is to put the question back on him. So he said, well, you know the law. What does the law say? And the man answered exactly with where we are today, telling us that this was kind of a common knowledge thing in the Jewish culture. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, adds with all your strength and with all your mind and he goes further and love your neighbor as yourself jesus said perfect just go do that and you will live but did you hear what i said earlier nobody can do that right not on your own strength you can't do it don't even try so the man needed to kind of qualify himself to justify himself he needed a little more assurance so he put the question back to jesus well who is my neighbor? So now Jesus is going to answer that question, but he does the unimaginable. He does something absolutely uh, stirring, captivating, unimaginable. What he does is, looking at this Jewish scholar, he makes him a victim. And then he creates a hero, and the hero is the victim's worst enemy. Are you, are you tracking with me? Okay, you, sir, are a victim, okay? And your worst enemy is your hero. So Jesus might as well have stated the, 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 the story like this. So imagine yourself, you're walking on a dangerous road. And this guy knew the road he was talking about. He's talking about the road from Jericho to, to Jerusalem, the bloody highway, you don't travel that road alone because it's, it's, there's so many bandits along, along that way. But you're traveling alone, and you're attacked by these bandits who beat you. They rob you. They take all of your clothes. They throw you to the side of the road for dead, and there you are. Now, a likely hero comes, comes, comes by. 
a, a Jewish priest. But he's on his way to temple, and he's certainly not going to defile himself by getting near a dead body, so he could care less. He walks as far around you as he possibly could get. Then a second likely hero comes by. A temple attendant, a Levite, he comes by. Well, at least he has the interest to come over and check you out. But, you know, he's probably thinking to himself, whatever this guy got, he probably deserved. And so he keeps on going. But now your worst enemy comes by. A Samaritan. He's the one. He has compassion on you. He treats your wounds. He bandages you. He puts you on his mule. He takes you to the innkeeper. He gives the innkeeper money on your behalf and says, take care of this guy. You know I'm coming back through. And when I do, if there's a balance on his bill, I'll take care of that too. And then Jesus looks right at this religious scholar and he says, so which of these two do you think was the real neighbor? I'll bet that guy could hardly speak. He definitely wasn't going to speak the word Samaritan. Forget that word. So instead, he says, the one who showed mercy? The one who had compassion? Not the Jews? But my worst enemy? And Jesus said, yeah. Now you and go, you know, you go and do the same. So I'm walking Pearl Street. We like to do that. and I have to go to the bathroom. I told you this, but I have to reiterate it because it's so pertinent to where God is leading. The men's bathroom down there on Pearl Street, that outdoor facility, most of you probably know it, there were homeless people coming out the door, and I had to go to the bathroom. So I have to squeeze by them, and when I get inside, there are homeless men sitting on the sink. There are homeless men standing by the stalls, the place stunk I don't know what was in the sink it was disgusting and so I left were those men an inconvenience did I have any compassion at all so when we talk about loving us here's where we need to begin and I just hope this becomes us. First, God, give me eyes to see the people around me like you see them as my neighbor. God, teach me to really begin praying for them Instead of cursing them. And God, give me ears so that I'll listen and understand their story. Because maybe in understanding their story, you'll somehow use me to speak your truth into their lives. How would you like someone to treat you if you suddenly found yourself in a bind in life? Will you be that person? That's our call.
love Estes. Yeah. You hear it? Simple? Yeah, go ahead. So, um, you know, I just feel like I need to do this song, and uh, I don't know, sometimes my songs I wonder about, you know, so <laughs> God, give me wisdom, but I'm going to do it anyway. This is really retro. If you see your neighbor standing by the road with a heavy load from the seeds he's sown, and if you see your sister falling by the way, just stop and say, Hey, you're going the wrong way. You've got to try a little kindness, show a little kindness. Just shine God's light for everyone to see. And if you'll try a little kindness, then you'll overlook the blindness of narrow-minded people on their narrow-minded streets. Don't walk around the down and out lend a helping hand instead of doubt and the kindness that you show throughout the day might help someone to find their way you've gotta try a little kindness show a little kindness just shine God's light for everyone to see. And if you'll try a little kindness, then you'll overlook the blindness of narrow-minded people on their narrow-minded streets. You've got to try a little kindness, show a little kindness, just shine God's light for everyone to see. And if you'll try a little kindness, then you'll overlook that blindness of narrow-minded people on their narrow-minded streets. Don't be that narrow-minded person on some narrow-minded street. I want Aaron to come on up and talk to us. I want the worship team up here with me. Yeah. So I'm going to share you a little bit more about what does it mean to love Esses Park. And as a church, we've been talking this uh, month about us being one. And if you haven't been to all of them, but out in the uh, foyer, there's a packet here that has a a devotional that goes with each one of the lessons we've talked about. If you don't know what we're talking about, take this home. Spend some time with it and get better acquainted with what we're talking about as us, as a church, being one with one mission. So our mission, what is it? It is loving Estes Park. It's taking the message of Jesus Christ and getting it to the ears that need to hear it. 
We can do that in a number of different ways. We can do that with our actions. We can do it with our words. We can do it with the way we live out our lives. But there's a place that responsibility comes to us. You see, what we've been preaching about and talking about and teaching about our words, about our concepts, ideas, and the purpose that God gives us. But without action, they're meaningless. Because just as Pastor Michael said this morning, love has to be shown. If we truly love God and it's there, then people need to see it. The way we love each other is the evidence of the love we have for God. So when you leave this morning, grab one, make sure you get one of these uh, postcards. It simply says, Love Esses Park. And there's three things that we're encouraging you, encouraging you to start with. The first one is by noticing. Begin to ask God to help you notice people every day. Notice people in your everyday life, in your walk, wherever you go, whatever you're doing, the people you interact with. Then start praying for them and asking God how you can impact their lives. What you can do to show the love of Christ. What can you do to be Jesus in their life? And then the third thing is listening. Because it's important that not only do do we listen to God, but listen to what people are saying around us. Listen to what their needs are. Listen to what's going on in their lives. Because you might just hear the exact way you can impact them when you're listening. But too, are, too far often we're not. So on the back side it says Matthew chapter 5, 13 and 14. And this is all about being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. How can you be the salt of the earth and the light of the world to the people that you are interacting with every day? So here's some really simple things. This month, make a point to notice the people and the needs around you. Pray for someone. Buy someone a cup of coffee. Buy someone's gas. Buy someone a meal at McDonald's or somewhere else. (laughs) But take the time to listen. Take the time to be Jesus right where you are. The words are great, and what we've been talking about is so vital and so important, but you need to love S's Park, not with words, but with actions. Make sure your words are backed up by what you do. Thank you.